somewhere out in the ethernet hey glad to have you back with us this is blaine checking in for the next installment and i got the opportunity to speak to a gentleman who shares the concept that perhaps it's time for us to be able to tell our own story as far as everything about appalachia as we understand it having grown up there or living there for an extended period of time or anything like that versus the mainstream media's concept, the caricature, the parody of us all. So without any further ado, I will go ahead and get us started and hey, we'll catch up in a little bit. Take care. I had the opportunity this evening to speak to a gentleman that, well, to be perfectly honest, I had no intention of ever running across his dumb ass whatsoever. <laughs> But somehow or another, someone else thought we should talk, and we ended up talking, and now he's going to be here. So, everyone, meet Joey. Joey, hey. meet everyone. And otherwise, uh, feel free to introduce yourself, sir. Hi, uh, I'm, I'm Joey Tucciaroni. Um Oh, that's how you say that. That's how you say that. <laughs> uh, like, uh, uh, two trumpet players, and they're tuning their horns, and one says, Hey, man, can I get your E? And the other guy's a dickhead. He goes... Hey, Tucciaroni. Hey, forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> if you want to be like technical, it's Tucciaroni. <laughs> fuck that. We're in Ten- I'm in Tennessee, so we're not going to get hung up on uh, uh, precise ethnic pronunciations. Oh, no worries whatsoever. But right on. I definitely appreciate you wanting to come on the pie this evening and everything. Right. And I... I, I will get back a little bit more to the reason you and I got together, but I think for people that obviously may know the show, may want to know you or something, a little bit of your background would be wonderful if you don't mind enlightening us. Sure. Um, uh, I grew up in Roanoke, Virginia, 
and uh, moved to Johnson City, Tennessee in 2009 to uh, finish school. Got a bachelor's in psychology like everyone else does, and then didn't know what the hell to do. So I, yeah, of course, you got to go to grad school if you're going to you know, do anything with that. So I, I got a, a master's in public health. I work in. Uh, I work for a nonprofit in Johnson City. It's the Appalachian Regional Coalition on Homelessness, or ARCH. Um, and, uh, is there anywhere that we can find them online? Yeah, uh, AppalachianHomeless.org. Cool. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, they, there's a ARCH of Johnson City that I think this is the Facebook page. And when I'm not uh, at work, I'm I'm either hanging out with my lovely lady or making music i'm in i'm in a couple of bands uh write songs and that's that's about it i live a pretty square life and it's just lovely well we'll get back to all that stuff in a minute but um the homeless thing what exactly is that just because i don't think a lot of people really realize how many homeless veterans are out there there are so many homeless veterans there's um there's a grant it's uh, the SSVF supported services for uh, veteran families and Arch is the as the local continuum of care for the eight counties in Northeast Tennessee uh, is the grantee of that uh, of those funds and and so we um, we we serve the needs of homeless or are precariously housed veterans in uh, in Northeast Tennessee. And then we are uh, we also receive uh, emergency solution grant funds as well to to help people who are homeless but aren't veterans. Uh, and that's what I do. I'm I'm the uh, I'm an I'm an e, uh, ESG case manager, and I'm also the Hopwa uh, coordinator for Arch, and that's uh, housing opportunities for persons with HIV. And what was the ESG one? Emergency solutions grant. Oh, okay. Very yeah. cool. You brought it up. Eight counties, so you already said Johnson City, so I'm okay. assuming most people can connect with Washington County, but how Wash- about the surrounding? Uh, uh, let's see if I can if I can uh, name them off the top. I, uh, when last we spoke, I was working on my, my first or second glass of whiskey. So <laughs> <laughs> Hancock, Hamblin, Carter, Green... Washington, uh, Unicoi, Sullivan, Johnson County. Where am I? Is that? I think that was six. Oh, might no. have been seven. Hold on. Let's see. Let me back up. Green. Did I say green? Yep. Green. Hancock, Hamblin, Johnson, Sullivan, Unicoi, Carter, Washington. Ha! But. So how did you fall into that job? After? Well, I went to school for psychology, and I, when I was younger, I was you know I was I was hell bent I was going to be a music therapist, and that evolved into I wanted to be on the vanguard of understanding how music and and the mind interact, and uh, and that was just something that's always fascinating. I was just drawn to psychology, but there are so many aspects and uh, uh, flavors of psychology, different things to get into. An obsession, and growing up in Roanoke, we had this gigantic homeless population. So, you know, as a kid, I'd be downtown hanging out with my buddies, and we were just spending a lot of time around homeless people. 
to a point where we were hanging out with them and we knew them. You know, we were on first name basis and we would just kind of run around with them and see what they got into and get into it with them. And, you know, being in that environment, you start to realize, you know, as a kid, I started to realize just how many of these people suffered uh, mental illness or suffered some degree. And and usually, you know, a a comorbid mental illnesses, you know, and... uh, So, I mean, you're talking about running the gambit of, like, PTSD... Yeah, things that affected them while they were out there versus other things that may have been latent in their system as they were aging. I think it's um, I think it's it's very much a, a a bi-directional relationship, and the two exacerbate each other. I think that you know, I mean, there are many different kinds of mental illness and and varying degrees of severity, but I think that uh, some can have a crippling effect on being able to hold things down. And those are the very kinds that end up burning bridges and people find themselves alone with their illness, subsequently become homeless. And then the, just the trauma of being on the street, it, you know, it, it, it exacerbates those, those mental illnesses and, you know, and it's, it's extremely challenging. And it's really and this difficult is, to see people being torn down. Oh God! Oh, absolutely! Right, absolutely. And and you know, as a kid hanging out and and kind of realizing these things, um, I think it made a huge impression on me. It just the you have to deal with with the kind of isolation and uh, and and trauma of mental illness and homelessness. And on top of all that, there's the just the stigma. And that stigma, I think, is the is is really the biggest burden because nobody's going to give you a chance. You're truly ostracized. Most of the way, you know, through undergrad, uh, I'm trying to make, you know, plan my next move. Am I going to get into cognitive neuropsychology? Am I going to be a clinical therapist or psychologist or, or what am I going to do? I end up going to Jamaica with my ex and. You know, she was born there. She's half Jamaican. There's her family's down there, and they're living in these, you know, in these shanty towns. And we spend a week in the bush, and I come back thinking, like, okay, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to med school. I'm gonna be a psychiatrist and make too much money and shave all of that extra loot into, you know, these people and their cause. So I start taking moves toward pre-med, and I'm, I mean, I'm almost, I'm on the verge of gradu- graduating anyway. Uh, I ended up taking this class, I was a philosophy minor, and I took this social justice class. It was co-taught by the dean of the College of Public Health, and that struck a nerve. Public health struck a nerve. This, you know, especially uh, community health, which is what I ended up concentrating in, this notion that where a doctor treats a patient, a public health officials treat communities. And I thought that that might be a really positive avenue for advocacy and activism and making a good, having a positive, making a positive difference in, in my community. Oh, so I abandoned pre-med. Oh, it was, it was heavy, man. It was heavy. And, and so that's what I did. I got a, a master's in public health and the last semester that I was there we had to go and do some field work and the whole time I'm in public health uh, my singular focus in grad school was 
that intersection of homelessness and mental illness. Uh, that was my, my, my sole pursuit, was researching that, understanding that, writing about that, learning that. When it came time to do my field experience, I, I had already interviewed people at Arch, um, you know, and that was finding them was as simple as just like uh, googling, you know, who helps the homeless in Johnson City. Came across Arch. I ended up doing my field experience there. Uh, after graduating, I I got a job there. It's it's been just over a year and a month, and and I love my job. That's what I do. I help homeless people. Hey, nothing but kudos for you for doing it. I mean, that's a wonderful pursuit and. I mean, the story alone and what's brought you to it, that's great. Oh, thanks, man. And on on top of it, though, um, it may strike some people as a little bit odd that we're talking about this, especially since you had brought up wanting to help out with Jamaica's shantytowns and all that jazz. How the hell does an Appalachian run into that situation? It just kind of speaks to uh, uh, the, the Appalachian experience. I mean, uh, you know, I, I I was married when I moved to Johnson City. I, I divorced about a year later and um, had met this lovely, you know, half Jamaican girl working at this pizza restaurant. And you know, we we had a, a we a few years of relationship and um, had kind of a faux faux wedding you know we were never legally married but we had a commitment ceremony and that was our honeymoon was going to jamaica to visit her family and honestly that's it's it's the exact same thing i encountered as a as a kid you know i mean i've got family that lives up in the hills uh and it's you know to look at it on the surface it's very stereotypical it's uh an overgrown field littered with cars and trash and and um these are uh, you know, poor, I don't like the word poor, but these are people that don't have money and they don't have formal educations and their vocabularies aren't huge. Uh, they're not stupid. They're not ignorant. They're they're quite intelligent and quite attuned with their environment. And uh, I think that being in Jamaica and, and seeing how these people live reminded me a lot of my own family. And the, the thing about them is they don't bitch. They don't mope. You'll never meet an emo Jamaican. You know, you'll, you'll, you know, like that kind of shit doesn't fly. And it's the same thing, I think, with, a, you know, a, a lot of uh, a lot of my mountain family. You know, it's they don't have time for all that. You know, you get maudlin when the time is right for it. But as a general rule, you know, you work and you cherish your family. And that's I don't know. It, it identify with that. No, I, I totally get what you're saying there. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. Appalachians aren't that different from everybody else in the world outside of the parody that we've dealt with our entire lives growing up. I mean, right. you and I are only a few years separated, but still, it's some dumb shit that we're the toothless hillbillies running around being idiots. You know, I mean, if, if we're going to be honest and fair, the the truth is, yeah, there are some toothless hillbillies out there because well you know they don't have access to dental care and they don't have the money for dental care and you know uh, one thing about being a public health student you know you you learn that they're it's not as simple as they just don't 
want to go to the dentist or they just don't trust the dentist. I mean, there's a myriad of reasons why uh, some of these stereotypes exist and some of these conditions become uh, prevalent, but it doesn't follow that we get to judge or, or, you know, be derivative towards these people. And, you know, furthermore, like, that's, it's not... It's not a rule that the vast majority of us fit that stereotype or meet that stereotype. Right. I mean, it's it's something that I've brought up several times, especially, well, not only on the podcast, but more so with people that I'm talking about coming on the podcast, is we all do recognize the fact that there is a certain percentage of that that's in us, in our family, right. or something else, but yeah. it's not anything that is the wide brush that the mass media or anybody tries right. to paint of Appalachia. Right. Well, you know, and, and even the, the reality of the, the people that fit those stereotypes, it's not nearly as cartoonish or comical as people want to make it out to be, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a very real facet of the experience of living here and you know it's it's not something to be made fun of and it's it's you know I, I guess it's it's kind of a twofold bullshit it's like we're not all those people a b it's not that fucking funny you know like there are very real well, watch sober your mouth bitch <laughs> sorry <laughs> I'm kidding <laughs> I get I get impassioned sometimes I mean, you, know, you rock um, with it man blame, blame, we'll blame the whiskey I don't know you know it, people people fail to take into consideration the complexity of, of uh, you know, socioeconomics and why certain things end up being the way they are, you know, and you can't summarize it with a cartoon or a movie or this douchebag, you spent two days in Appalachia, right on. But, <clears throat> no, 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 and, and that that's really one of the things that I, I think we're kind of kindred spirits about is... Yeah, we we grew up around it. We've known people. Yeah. We, hell, my family, for all practical purposes, has been in and around the area since the Revolutionary War era. So, right on. You yeah. Know, it, it, it's just you phrased it best. The cartoonish effect that people have of Appalachia is part of what I think both of us are fighting. Absolutely. And I think that is one of the greatest things where I ran across you by random. Somebody sent me a link to say, holy shit, check out what this guy's doing. And if you don't mind getting into it, let's take a step over to your Facebook thing that you created for the humans of Appalachia. All right. Yeah. Um, You know, I I, I should say right up front, I I didn't invent – the concept, um, I didn't gank it from anybody, but there, there already was a, a Humans of Appalachia Facebook page I, I found out after the fact. And there's also a Humans of Central Appalachia. And I think it's worthwhile to check both of those out just the same, you know, for completion's sake. But really the whole reason it started, a, a, a friend of mine was indignant about um, this, uh, you know, this prominent photographer who – Took a series of photographs. There was a whole Vice article about it. Was that the Jim uh, Wells guy? Jim Wells? Uh, no. I'm, I may be misremembering. Gilder? Gilden? It's, it's, it's like, I think he's best known for the Humans of New York thing. Okay. 
But uh, anyway, he, he two days in Appalachia, and he wrote this essay about, uh, you know, how in Appalachia religion and God is everywhere and everything. And you know, I don't, I can't do justice to what he said. But it, it my friend was who posted the article on Facebook. He was very indignant. He's like, "What do you know? I mean, Appalachia is huge. You spent days in a couple of spots." And uh, I, I really felt where my friend was coming from. I mean, how, how dare you? How dare anybody spend two days in a couple of places and and assume to make any definitive evidence about the nature of this giant swath of America with all of its subcultures and 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 all of its different flavors? And it just I was perturbed. And and I'm very reactionary at times. So I, you know, did what any other. Uh, outraged person would do at work at 8.30 in the morning. I launched a Facebook page. I invited all my friends and just told everybody else, like, please send invites. Get people in this. It's time for us to tell our story. You know? Everyone else from outside of Appalachia is assumed to tell our story for us. And they always get it wrong. And they never tell the whole story. Oh, very the- infrequently. <laughs> You know, and, oh, I'm I mean, sorry, and I just went back to look at it real quickly while we were talking. Mm-hmm. You were saying that it was Will Major was your friend that dropped the knowledge on you. Well, Will was actually um, behind it all. Will Major is a friend of mine who, who plays in one of my bands and happens to be a very talented photographer and uh, and a student of photography and and. I hit him up. I mean, he, he we were talking uh, via text message that day, and he had his own opinions about um, about this gentleman's series of photographs. And so so he contributed his story and, and, and his essay, you know, and, and uh, it's just it, I, I want him to be a big voice in all of this. Oh, no, I'd love for you to put me in touch with him at some point. No worries, but it seems like that page even after as you were describing it just what anybody else would do at 8 30 in the morning <laughs> at work <laughs> right. bam it took off yeah that that was surprising um i've had this uh you know uh, it's not the first time i've you know like made a facebook page you know but i i, I think this one struck a nerve my nerve got struck you know and i, I think it resonated with a lot of people just on the basis of we're, we're, we're tired of being characterized mm-hmm. or caricaturized. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're I great. do think it is time for us to take control of the narrative. And yeah. especially now. People don't Absolutely. understand how much Appalachia, well, even the South in general, has grown into much larger of a tech field for people to work sure. movies everything are moving here and granted a lot of it's probably just because you get tax breaks like crazy and yeah you know, hey who can fault the state for doing that right but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're all those stupid southerners the stupid <sighs> appalachians or anything else they're doing quantum <laughs> physics in oak ridge tennessee you know the place where they built oh my the god Somebody, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa! They don't even realize that Oak Ridge is Appalachian, and that's where the freaking bomb was made. There were 
there are huge urban sectors in in Appalachia, suburban sectors. There, you know, it's it's not. People are growing up here and they're getting educated. It's, for, you know, I want to celebrate all of it. You know, and there has to be a balance between. Of course, you want to acknowledge the the mountain people. Those that's my family, and you want to acknowledge all of it. I want to talk about the you know the uh, the guys that hang out behind Sunoco and 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 smoke meth and and you know drink too much mountain dew all of that shit is part of it it's all part of it but we get to talk about it you know like that's our story to tell right it's not for an well i lived in charleston for the better part of a decade and they always had this comment that they would make about people that weren't native to Charleston, that they were from right. off. Off. And I kind of think that's the way that Appalachia is portrayed is not from people that are from Appalachia. It's people that are from off. Right. Right. It's, it's uh, you know, it's it's the, the massive curiosity show. It's, it's... For one thing, that's absurd. I mean, Appalachia it dips down into... Alabama, Mississippi, it extends up into New York State. You never hear anything about Northern Appalachia. Mm-hmm. Nobody has the same ideas about, about say, you know, Pennsylvania Appalachians or Southern New York Appalachians. By some accounts, the mountains go up into, you know, Newfoundland, Canada. You don't hear about Canadian Appalachians. You know, it, it, people associate the very word Appalachia, the whole connotation of Appalachia is toothless people in the backwoods. Yeah, and that's disturbing as hell, but... Well, uh, yeah, it's extremely disturbing because that's that kind of stigma that uh, that takes the emotion and the humanity, to, you know, it, it dehumanizes the people that it, that it mocks, that it lampoons, and then it enables their exploitation without the emotional component. And yeah. that's incredibly sinister we're so accustomed to um i think mainstream media is it's just kind of relegated this part of america to you know uh we're just we're just the beverly hillbillies and we're the we're we're a nation of clampets and and that's what they want us to be that's they want us to be the cartoon because amusing that's funny we are this you know hilarious archetype that's the paradigm you know You've also done some charity work and fundraising things for, well, not only obviously what you do for your job, but you've also convinced your bandmates and all to do some shows to help out people. I believe the most recent one was at the, I apologize since I haven't lived there for years, the Acoustic Acoustic Coffee Coffee House. House. Yeah, that was was, um, just this past weekend. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I get kind of militant about this sometimes, and I'm trying to be. Uh, I'm trying to be just just calmer about it these days. But I, you know, the whole. I get. I've been a musician for a long ass time, and you know, you put a lot of work into it. It's. You put a lot of money and resources and time into it, and it's great to get paid. I love getting paid for music. It doesn't happen that often, and when it does, it doesn't happen to such a great degree. 
but I think I'm past this, you know, the point in my life where I think that I'm going to be a rock star, that I think that I'm going to make my living, you know, my fortune making music. I, I don't, I don't really see it that way anymore. I, I, I do. It's, I'm past the point in my life where I think I'm going to make a living or my, my millions or my retirement off of making music. I do it because I love to, because I, I always have loved to, because it's my therapy. It's how I make sense of the world. It's how I organize my thoughts and my feelings and express my emotions. So, you know, uh, it's vital to me to do that. And I, I, I think that at some point realizing that, you know, I have, I have a limited skill set. I have a, a limited toolbox with which to offer anything to the world but i can make music and somehow or another i can compel other musicians and other artists to lend their talents and time to do the same for free you know to 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 like play for free for a good cause exactly but that's just it you're you're able to take the step to yourself and apply it for a greater cause or for something positive. Yeah, I mean, because why the hell not? Why the hell not? Why would you not be a good steward of the people in your community that aren't willing to do that? I understand, you know, you don't want to do it forever for free. You don't want to do it every time for free. But why not once in a while? And and God bless my bandmates because they're really, I think I, I have them doing this more than they would like to. Um, but they're really good sports about it, you know. Uh, it, it all started in Roanoke. I did this thing, this holiday hoedown, and uh, it's just this, just this idea. You know, there was this cool organization there called Chip, and it was Child Health Investment Partnership, and they, they just do wonderful things for kids that don't have medical records because poverty. You know, because like medical attention is expensive, so these kids don't have medical records, so they they help these kids kind of establish medical history. And I thought that was so beautiful, you know, help these kids out. So I put together this, uh, you know, this big old fundraiser for them and it, and it worked out beautifully. And we, we set a record at the venue. And, um, and so that was, you know, that was galvanizing and it was, it was, it's, it's, it's really all the encouragement that I needed. And I started doing this on a regular basis and, Every once in a while, you know, just something catches my attention. I'm like, God damn it, I'm putting together a show for it. And, and you know, it makes me feel good. It does wonderful things for the community. Why wouldn't you do it? I love it. I love it. This thing at the, uh, the Acoustic Coffee House the other night, that was – I actually didn't have anything to do with it, man. Uh, um, uh, my buddy Isaac, who's uh, the other guitarist in Thundercox, like, hey, you want to – play this show and uh this it's a fundraiser this guy this gentleman has cancer and needs some help sure absolutely good karma you know actually i would i was going to kind of take a little sidestep from everything i mean was that something that you were just brought up with that desire to help out your community this that and other or is that just the way that you've taken on the world i don't know i mean I'm blessed, and I, I, I'm lucky, and I have an acute sense of that. And, you know, I grew up, I grew up, you know, the, the first several years of my life were, were pretty foul. I mean, you know, they were, they were rough, and, and you know, they're, they're, 
I, my first ten years of, of uh, being on this earth, I, I dealt with you know uh, uh, my mom divorcing and remarrying twice. I, I an abusive stepfather, a uh, like just dirt poverty. I mean, just really like bottom of the barrel poverty. And, uh, you know, and, and my father, like, committed suicide when I was 10. All right, so, like, a lot of shit happened in the first little chunk of my life. And, yeah, it's, I mean, it's okay. It's all right. You know, I, I, I bounced back. But, it, you know, I think that I, I became really familiar with the feeling of not having any control or agency. You know, that, 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 that feeling of helplessness, like, what the hell's going to happen next? Vulnerability, you know, it's really what it comes down to. Vulnerability, and I, I, I think that I'm very lucky in in the regard that, uh, and I, it, it's, I feel like a jag off saying this, but I was able to kind of cultivate some empathy and um, just a you know, basic modicum of compassion for people. I get it. I get what it's like to just be at the mercy of circumstances and to try your your hardest, but a to not have the tools to really build anything, and B to just be completely vulnerable to you know whatever might happen. What What is your vision for having now created the humans of Appalachia and everything that's going on? I mean, obviously, we all want to be right. able to tell our own story. We all want to change the discussion as it goes on in the media and everything but is it just a frustration with you is it more of a cultural pride with you is it something where it was just like well hell being a <laughs> bunker and all that jazz you just got pissed <laughs> off one day and <laughs> I, man, I, I mean I, maybe it's all of that I, I think what it comes down to is is you know any any group, any group that can easily be dismissed as this or that, you know, any anything, any group of people that can fall prey to the worst kind of cynicism in other human beings, people riled up about about erasing cynicism and stigma, because you know the the easiest way to allow people to suffer is to stop seeing them as human beings. You know, as long as we're able to, to dehumanize one another, put them in a box somewhere off to the side. All right. You're about four steps higher. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's these, uh, if we're able to just stereotype and, and relegate people to this, you know, like kind of cartoonish, uh, category, we, we don't have to care about them. You know, and and what I'd really love to see happen is is everybody just realize, you know, and it's oh god, saying it out loud, it's, it sounds so hippie and flaky, but the, I think it's a truism. We're all human beings, and I don't want to argue from biology. I just want to say that, that where you're born, the circumstances in which you're born, all of that is arbitrary, and a lot of the things. That, that enable people to dismiss other kinds of people, other, you know, outsiders. These are very arbitrary things. 
And as long as we can dismiss each other on the basis of these arbitrary attributes, we're overlooking the things that make us all the same. You know what I mean? I would love for you to tell everyone how to get in touch with you, how to get in touch with your Facebook page, any way that they could follow you, or for that matter, you've been very active on your Facebook page. Just tell people, <laughs> and we'll see if we can't get a little bit more momentum to the cause. I would love that. I would love that. Um, humans of Appalachia, they're... You can you can start there. There there are two Facebook pages called that that I know of. You know, mine's one of them. Um, the profile picture for that's going to be the map of Appalachia. Definitely add it. In okay, and then there's um, I'm Joey Tucciaroni in Johnson City, T U C C I A R O N E. Friend me, follow me. This was something that I was going to bring up as well. You're talking about doing more of a, if I recall the way it was phrased, kind of a bluegrass roots punk thing oh, um, acoustically? Well, all right, so I've been, I've, I've, that old singer-songwriter thing, I, I write songs and um, every once in a while, it's not very often, but I, I, I play some solo gigs here and there and. Uh, I, I want to do more of that, but it's it's probably not going to be too bluegrassy. It's more of a, I call it, I call it folk punk, but I don't even know if it's that. It's just some chords thrown together, and then my shitty voice singing uh, these overwrought lyrics. <laughs> you know, um. So yeah, there's there's, there's going to be that, but. It, Today I decided that in the next year I want to I want to start a uh, kind of a psychedelic prog band as well. You know, it's, I, I can't settle on one thing. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing the world needs is another jam band. No hell no no I I <laughs> oh god don't get me started I I I'll tell you this my uh, uh, my heroes music wise um, Frank Zappa. First and foremost, because there's a guy that you know could could give you like 15 minutes of instrumental in the middle of a song, but it just wasn't this like masturbatory noodly bullshit thing. I mean, my man was a composer and a you know a master of the Mixolydian scale, and, and you know a, a, a huge Mr. Bungle and Faith No More fan. You know, and I, I, I also I, I love Rachmaninoff. I mean, it, you know. It, I, I, I like interesting music, you know. Just some some guy jerking off on his guitar for fifteen minutes. I can't stand it. I can't fucking stand it. I've been playing guitar for shit coming up on twenty two years. The last thing I want to hear is somebody noodle endlessly, you know. And, and that's it's, it's, there's nothing appealing about doing that. There's nothing appealing to me about hearing it. Well, Tom Waits, Elvis Costello, that you know. Uh, I'm listening to The Clash right now, a band you can't categorize. That's what I like, mm. you know. So, I mean, the idea of um, this whole psychedelic uh, prog band, is just, I want to just do something that's very compositional. 
and that that allows space for exploration, but without being fishy. Well, thank you so much for joining me again, and especially for dealing with all the bullshit that was going on at the start. <laughs> no worries, man. Thank you for being. And thank you for reaching out to me, dude. Thank you for this opportunity. This this was fun. All right. Take care, yes, sir. Buddy. Take it easy. I'll have a good you one. You too, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I just wanted to thank Joey again for taking time out of his evening to spend a little bit of time not only talking to me, but for that matter, taking a little bit of time just to give another perspective from someone who's living in the Johnson City area, who's lived in Appalachia, who loves Appalachia, who, for that matter is a really big advocate for Appalachia. I strongly suggest you guys go check out his Facebook page. It's Humans of Appalachia. Look for the one that has the map of Appalachia on there. Um, You can run a simple search. I will go ahead and add a copy of the URL and everything. Please check him out. Let him know that you appreciate what he's doing and everyone have a great evening and please feel free to check us out you can find us on stitcher itunes tune in digital podcasts that's just to name a few of the sites that are carrying us as mirrors otherwise you can always find us on buzzsprout take a couple of seconds and check out my friend william's other podcast mortis trust me it's worthwhile we'll talk to you later and have a good one we do love you you can't kill me I will not die Not now Not ever No, never
people out there want to ban books. They want to ban my records. They won't tell me when I can drink and what I can drink. They want to ban drugs and sex and everything. People want to have a lot of rules. A lot of rules and regulations. But listen up. Listen up, Mr. Rules and Regulations. I ain't gonna obey it! What's up, man? I ain't gonna do what you say. Oh, you can put me in jail. You can kill me. You can execute me. But you can't kill rock and roll, man. I'll tell you another damn thing. I ain't eating no more fucking McDonald's either. I ain't gonna eat it no more. I ain't gonna eat it because it don't taste good. You know what? McDonald's can kiss my butt! McDonald's can kiss my butt. It's a great big hairy butt. Got a dingleberry hanging off my butt. McDonald's kiss my ass. You know, people say, Mojo, you're always complaining about everything. Why don't you vote in the election? Why don't you become involved in the electoral process? Uh oh. Oh, yeah. Vote for Clinton, Mojo. It's going to make everything nice and new and neat. We got one fool, just as big a fool as the other fool. Ain't nothing changed. Same fools riding around in the black cars. We still riding around on the subway, riding around in the bus. We riding around in a 1978, you know, 1978 El Torino or some damn thing. Leaking all, ain't got no money. Gotta pay taxes, everything's screwed up. I ain't gonna take it no more. I'm gonna start an armed insurrection. I'm gonna go to Hills of West Virginia and I'm gonna liberate some guns from a National Guard armory. And I'm gonna start armed revolt because at some time in the course of human events it becomes necessary to disassociate yourself the ties that bind. I wanna break them ties. I wanna bust them up. So there I am standing around a campfire in the hills of West Virginia. And the flames are shooting up high. And I happen to be the head of the armed insurrection of Rebel Alliance. And I'm going to sing our brand new our brand new national anthem that goes something like this. You can't kill me. I will not die. Not now. Not ever. No, never. Wow. I'm going to live a long, long time. My soul is on. Full of holes, but you can't kill the spirit of rock and roll, baby!